0: What's up folks? Uh, got another episode of the podcast or video cast here if you are watching this on YouTube. Uh, we are very lucky today. Uh, one of the topics that I'm very passionate about, as you all know, is getting people involved uh, with programming and development and especially those who've never done it and, and younger generations and getting them started. I've got Mia Kodlick with me today and she's gonna be talking to us about some of these subjects and some of the uh, some other topics as well so Mia please go ahead and introduce yourself
1: So my name is Mia I've been coding since I was probably eight years old um, and I started taking clients for freelance web development uh, in 2014 while I was still in high school. And I continued doing that through high school and college. And then after studying computer science and biology in college, I have just um, started transitioning from freelance on, you know, Upwork and those kinds of places to my own web development company called Curie & Co.
0: Fantastic. And we will put links in the show notes for everything here. Um, So the first question I have to ask, because uh, you know varied background here and and i love that folks get engaged at a young age how did you get involved you know what what was that spark that that made you get interested in in sort of the technology field
1: Sure. I was actually kind of really reluctant to get into coding at first. Um, Both my parents were programmers, and I was like a really stubborn child. So I definitely (laughs) didn't want anything to do with technology because I didn't want to kind of go in the family footsteps. Uh, I wanted to do my own thing. I was actually really interested in becoming a doctor um, studying medicine. But um, I wanted a computer. Uh, All my friends had computers. And my dad said that he would buy me a computer if I learned Python. Um, (laughs) So. He got me like a huge, big Python programming book, um, and basically said, "If you can get through the exercises, um, I'll, I'll buy you a computer." So I was using like my mom's computer or something like that um, to go through the <laughs> the exercises, and I I went through the whole book and like. I don't know, maybe three days, I raced through it all day wow. long because I just really wanted that computer. And the whole time I, I was thinking, you know, I hate programming. I hate this. I'm not going to be a programmer. But then I got <laughs> kind of halfway through the book and I realized I kind of loved it. That was basically kind of the introduction to everything for me.
0: Nice. I, you know, I guess you went through that that period where, that we all um, experience when you, you know, you write some lines of code and you're like, well, I'm not really sure what this is. And then you do it and you get that output on the screen and you're like, wait. I did it and it worked. Right. And it's kind of, they got that excitement. And and I guess for you, it was a case of it just kept going and going and, and, and here you are now. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, so uh, I got to ask, you know, the parents, were, were they supportive or was it kind of like a, what happened to the medical thing? Right.
1: Well, actually it was kind of interesting. I, so I did a lot of, you know, Python on the side, um, Kept it as like a fun hobby of mine, but I still was pretty set on not going into software. Okay. Um, I wanted to be a doctor. And it wasn't until almost basically senior year of high school that um, I realized that those could kind of go hand in hand. Um, I was at the U of A and um, the University of Arizona is the college uh, near where I lived in Tucson. And mm-hmm. one of the professors at a bioinformatic lab, bioinformatics lab um, in Tucson kind of uh, caught. It caught her attention that I knew Python. Um, And so she asked me if I wanted to work in her lab during the summer. And I started working there. And that's when I kind of learned that there is this huge intersection of technology and medicine um, and that if I wanted to do research, if I wanted to study medicine, I didn't even have to go to medical school. I could, you know, just study biology and be a programmer. Um, So that was kind of the first time that I realized that I actually might go into technology as a career. Even before then, I was still being stubborn, saying I'm not going to go into software. Um, I want to go to medical school. Yeah, that was kind of what really opened my eyes was seeing that technology can apply to anything, and you can do anything you want with it.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting, right? Because now, you know, these days we can't escape it. It's it's everywhere in everything. You know, you know that sort of brings me to the next question, which is, you know, for those who are, you know, looking to get into this, and they, you know, they they say, uh, you know, they're they're looking to do programming of any kind. uh, You know, I, I get this quite a lot when I'm doing my live streams, and that people will come by and they'll say. Hey, I want to do this. I want to make a mobile application. I want to make a website. You know, whatever it may be. Um, how do I do that? And uh, that's always a difficult question because the answer is there are so many different ways. But um, you know, from your perspective, uh, what do you think? Are, you know, some of the best ways for folks who are looking, especially for things like web development now, where you have so many options.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, So I think the best way to do it is kind of by project. I mean, there's tons of books out there that I feel like serve kind of more of as a really good reference for when you already know how to do something and you're finding an error and you want to come back and look at kind of, you know, like a description of a function or something like that. Um, and I see people trying to use those kinds of books to get into programming and for me that never really worked because I would just kind of get bored kind of reading about definitions and functions um, and still when I learn new things I always find it best to just kind of jump head first into a project um, and it might you know be frustrating at sometimes but the kind of satisfaction of when something gets to work is really what keeps you coming back for more um, so I would say if you're starting to learn a programming language even if you've never Uh, done anything before would be to start and find a project-based tutorial Um, or even if you're like learning Python one of a a really good book that I used when I was younger was called Learn Python the Hard Way Um, and it's got kind of a scary name but it's um, basically like little projects that teach you a different aspect of the language in each project and you can even go back to your programs to reference them later because a lot of like really great design patterns. Um, So you're kind of building up your own reference for yourself to use all through projects. And um, for me, that was always more helpful than something like a reference book or even like on, you know, Khan Academy and um, like Code Academy, those kinds of things. There's really great project-based stuff there, but some of the intro stuff is more, you know, syntax-based and that kind of lost me pretty fast. So um, I would just I would really recommend diving into a project
0: I, I agree with you. I know for me that that's the way that um, you know I pick up new new topics, new languages, whatever it may be the quickest uh, I, I tried going that you know for years I would do that you know you get the book um, back when paperback versions of the books were a thing and and you know from cover to cover and like you say it covers. It was covering a lot of things that I, at the time, thought to myself, you know, I'm sure this is useful. I'm sure later on I'm going to wish I knew this. And yes, it did turn out that way. But I also found that it, it became, I don't want to say boring, but, you know, it, it's almost like, this is great, but do I really need to know the name of every function in, in a framework or a language? Um, and that's when I realized, okay, the the problem here is me. And the, the problem is that the best way I learn is I have an idea for something, want to make it, now break that down into problems and go learn about those problems. So I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, taking that project ap- approach not only teaches you the things you need to know at that time, but that reward mechanism is a lot quicker too. Um, you know, I know some folks who know an awful lot of things, for example, about like, you know. Um, Swift Foundation and it's like great glad you can do that does that really help you on a daily basis and, and I, I think more than ever these days the answer is no because you can go search or, or even use chat you know whatever AI these mm-hmm. days and find that answer you don't have to know it immediately like maybe you did back you know before we had some of these amazing tools right you know so with that that in mind, what do you think are some good resources and, and good approaches, especially for that that younger generation who want to dive into this?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so there's a book series called like Tiny Blank um, Projects, and then the blank would be like the different um, okay. languages. So like Tiny Python Projects, Tiny Rust Projects, um, and oh, it's okay. kind of yeah. basically what I was describing, um, where it's like the, the little project-based stuff, um, it's written in a really accessible way, and it does kind of where it goes through your own projects of building up kind of the documentation, um, knowledge for yourself. Um, so yeah, I would really recommend that. And also, I mean, I was kind of talking about code Academy and Khan Academy earlier, as far as coding as like how I not, I don't mm-hmm. super love it, but you know, it is a good resource for some people and people who like the video interaction or like having not having to set anything up on your computer, which I know is always yeah. a hassle. Um, So it is good for some things and um, they do have project-based stuff on there. So I would, I would recommend the project-based side of it rather than kind of the syntax side. But sometimes you do have to go back and learn the syntax. It's just part of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I think, you know, I think um, sort of what I say to folks is, you know, when knowing that syntax a little more in depth and and some of these ways is when you go to that next level, right. And maybe Mm -hmm. you feel like, okay, um, you know, I, I can make projects for myself, maybe um, you've done some open source, some things like that. And now you're you're sort of looking at it and then you leave and, and you're going into that workplace and you want to go work for one of those big companies. Uh, I think, you know, based on sort of discussions I've had with folks on, on other uh, episodes, that's when a lot of that comes into play because you're going to have those technical interviews where they will care about those things a lot more than, say, an independent developer or, you know, like you say, like yourself, someone who has their own company, where it's all about the solution and not necessarily the the science behind it, right?
1: Yeah. And another really good resource that I just thought of is um, it's called the Flask Mega Tutorial, and that was actually the first kind of web-based thing I did. with Yeah, so that was that was a really good for, resource for me because I did a lot of Python, and it's Flask, so it's Python-based, um, and it also combines web technology in there, and it's just a really good tutorial that starts from scratch.
0: Nice. Nice. Now, do you recommend to folks, um, you know, and I should ask you which way you do this, are you one of those people who... You know, you prefer to have your tools locally and do it there, or do you think there are so many options now online where literally that's your IDE, that that's everything, right? And like you say, it's even got the training built in as well, um, so you can you can literally sit down at any machine and, and uh, do it that way as opposed to having a local tool set. Do you have any, any thoughts on that?
1: My preference is definitely local just because like that's kind of the way I learned everything. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say whatever is gonna be most motivating to you and get you to do it is what you should use. So, like whatever works for you. If if setting up locally is a big barrier or you, know, you don't have access to your own machine all the time, you're at school, something like that, then doing those online versions is definitely great. I mean, GitHub added their own kind of thing. I forgot the name of it, but I was just, Classroom or something like that, but they basically have their own full integrated IDE setup on there, um, and you know that's a really great resource that makes things a lot more accessible for people, and I think that's great. Personally, I like kind of the local setup, but um, I definitely think it's also great to, to use the online setup.
0: And we touched on this earlier. What are some ways do you think you know, having gone through this and experienced it yourself, that you know, if a parent's listening. Um, You know, uh, we were talking before recording and I know some folks who are working on some things with their kids, which I think is fantastic. So what are ways do you think for for parents to sort of recognize and get involved and and help, you know, motivate kids to, you know, stay on? This is what they want to do to stay on track and do that.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I know a big thing for me, and I guess this totally depends on how, you know, of a stubborn of a kid you have, <laughs> but a big thing for me was that it was like a really amazing sense of kind of power and autonomy. Because, um, you know, as like a kid, you have to listen to what your parents say. You, you don't have a lot of, you know, say over mm-hmm. things. But when I was programming, I basically could do anything I wanted, um, make whatever program I wanted, had full control of the computer, so I mean that that was a really big selling point for me. You know, if you find a way to communicate that to your kid, I think it it really empowers them to feel like they have a lot of creativity um, and can think up a lot of things on their own. Because I mean, there's like a lot of barriers to some projects when you're a kid, like oh, you have to go to the store, you have to buy supplies, uh-huh. you have to do all this stuff. But it's like if you're sitting there with you know, Python, you can do anything um, and you don't really have to go out and buy stuff. It's open source. It's a free programming language and you can, you know, build a whole application if you want to.
0: Great. Now, I I do want to touch on as well here because I think this is a, you know, an important subject as well. You know, you mentioned that you've got your own business now um, doing the the web development and, you know, we have to, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's still a thing. You know, I'd like to see uh, more female involved with making their own businesses, um, be it web development or otherwise. You want to touch on that?
1: Um, yeah, sure. Um, so my mom was a programmer, so I kind of always had that representation for me in my life, which I'm really grateful for. Um, but, I mean, I've definitely met other people who didn't have that kind of representation, and there's a lot of, um, like, differences. And, you know, if you if you always kind of weren't sure um, where if you could see yourself in the industry, I mean, it'll affect your confidence um, and stuff like that. So I think it's really important to kind of um, have representation out there. And for me, um, I try and, you know, give back to the women in STEM community, do workshops, stuff like that, um, kind of be the representation um, and encourage others to do the same thing. Um, but I think it's, you know, becoming more and more uh, rare to have that kind of mindset, which is really great. Mm-hmm. Um but, I mean, I, I, you can definitely see the difference representation makes. And so I think it's important to kind of close that gap.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do, too. I think, you know, I say sometimes you look at it and you go, you know, we're in 2023. There, there shouldn't even be a gap anymore, you know, um, and, and that. So so I agree with you. And, and uh, you know, I know uh, some folks who do a similar thing, right? They, they have some mentor programs specifically designed um, for this and, and they do a great job and, and, you know, it's always nice, uh, to see folks getting involved and making resources available, um, and also making themselves available. Like I said, you know, I, am a big one for, for mentoring folks. If they want it, yes, absolutely, you know, pass it on to the next generation as well. Um, you know, and going forward with that, um something I want to ask about because i I see this in the in the questions and and I'm real curious uh and and I'm not sure if i you know what the answer is gonna be here, but uh you you have a question here what was your strangest job
1: interview um so definitely one of them this was during covid so it was a virtual interview okay um and it ended up lasting almost five hours i mean this was mostly Ooh. my fault for kind of just being. A pushover, I guess, and letting it last this long. Um, I mean, at this point, I'm glad I did it because it was a good experience and just like a really weird interview. Um, But there was basically a part of the interview where the guy asked me if I had any recommendations for somebody else um, to take the job, like if I had any friends or anyone that I met that I would think would be a good match. Okay. And I thought that was kind of a weird question yeah. because I was interviewing for the job, right? <laughs> but I know I, I played along with it. I played along with it and I gave them a name of somebody in one of my classes and they asked me like, oh, like why, why would they be a good fit for the job? Like what experience do they have? So I just kind of, you know, said a, good, a couple things to go along with it. And then they were like, okay, well, they sound pretty good. So why should I hire you over them? Okay. (laughs) And then they were like, this is a sales exercise. I want to see how well you can sell yourself. So this was like my whole exercise. And so then I like played along with it, continued going through it. And then he proceeded to say like, stop, stop right there. Okay, we're going to start over. And then he went and told me everything I did wrong in the oh. sales pitch of oh. myself, because he was a salesman, not like in technology or anything okay. like that. So he was kind of like analyzing my pitch mm. in a sales mindset, um, telling me about different like sales tactics, which was like a lot of psychological stuff. It was basically just all very weird for a tech interview. I didn't want a sales position. <laughs> but yeah, kind of after that, I started to kind of, you know, not really want the position anymore. Um but yeah, that was a very long interview. It lasted a long time. Lots of weird psychological experiments. Yeah. Um didn't want the job after that. I got offered the job, but I said no. Yeah, very, very weird interview.
0: That that is one of the strangest stories I've heard for sure. Um <laughs> and, and and even more so because of the the I guess the outcome, right? And and I get it. you go through all this, and at the end of it, you're probably thinking, you know, like well, I hope I never have to speak with these people again. Then they offer you yeah. the job and you're like, I guess on the one hand, you're probably thinking, well, I guess I did a lot better than I thought I did. But <laughs> I I, I guess if it was me, I'd be thinking, hang on a minute, if that was the interview, I'm not sure I'd want to work with these people on a daily basis, right? Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: um, is there anything we didn't cover here that you want to talk about?
1: I recently started doing uh kind of a compilation podcast of all of the problems that I've had clients that like, have come up a lot with clients um just like while they're making websites and social media just like kind of online presence stuff so I've been kind of Taking the frequently asked questions or mistakes that I've seen people made and um, putting them into a podcast to kind of um, give advice and help empower other small businesses. So it's called Technically a Podcast. Um, There's three episodes out. The last one is on ChatGPT and how to use that for your small business. Um, And I'm releasing new episodes on Mondays.
0: Uh, okay, great. And we'll put a link in the show notes. And I'm glad you mentioned this because I may, I saw that I saw the, you know, podcast mentioned and I and I meant to follow up and ask you. So so yeah, give
1: folks the name of the podcast again. Technically a podcast.
0: Great. Thank you. I'm going to check that out cuz I love podcasts, you know, as you can probably tell. <laughs> um, so folks go check that out. We will put a link in the show notes for that. And uh, you know, anytime I always recommend to folks if you can learn from knowledge and experience from someone else do it right because you you never know what you're going to pick up so thank you for putting that out there because i know some folks are a little cautious about talking about these things because you know they think oh well if i mention this you know the client's going to know that i'm talking about them right you know and i think it's you know sometimes we forget that because we live so close to this that you know the the client may never hear it or they may not even think twice about it so okay great yeah we will put links in the show notes for that thank you
1: of course i would just say that honestly so many people i mean it's very common to make very similar mistakes so you know if i'm if i'm talking about a common mistake i I would say to any of my clients i'm not calling you out everybody does it and it's you know not i'm not shaming them for it i'm trying to help people um (laughs) so yeah i would say that (laughs)
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Mia, for being with us today. I I appreciate it. And, you know, this has been a great conversation. And and I hope folks take on board, um, you know, the discussion here and and the advice that you've given as far as, you know, getting started and if they want to get started, how to get into it as well. And, uh, you know, um, please, again, tell folks where they can find you and reach out to you uh, if they want to talk to you or, you know, course, take advantage of your services, uh, please tell folks where they can find you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my personal website is miakodalik.com and then um, curiand.co would be my company's website. So that's me and I partnered with a software engineer. So we both um, work at the company. It's not just me. Um, but those are the two main places you can find me on Instagram at uh, curiandco. And then my personal would be hello, it's Mia.tech
0: Great. Thank you so much. And folks, we will put links for all of these in the show notes to make it super easy for you to find them. And, and yep, go follow and, uh, you know, go, go check it out. All right. Well, thank you so much again, uh, folks that's what we got for you here. Uh, this has been useful. You know what to do, right? You know, share this with folks, go, go tell them about it. Um, let's get out there and, and make some awesome things.